Well, good afternoon and welcome to Seattle's Eastside Real Estate Teams podcast, the podcast dedicated to living, working, and playing on the East Side. It is Wednesday, December 23rd. We are live on Facebook and YouTube. If you like this uh, podcast, feel free to subscribe, share, and comment on these posts. Um, we are available anywhere you can stream uh, podcasts. So Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, I believe as well on Spotify. Please rate our podcast. We would appreciate it so much. Thank you for watching. Today, we're going to be welcoming Tucker Maxwell from Guild Mortgage. And uh, we're going to go over some fundamentals for that first-time home buyer. So we're going to talk about uh, financial fundamentals. Let me welcome to the show, Mr. Tucker Maxwell. Welcome back, Tucker. How are you? Good, Dan. How are you? I'm good. How was your Christmas? It was good. You know, uh, survived the flu, but got through Christmas. So you got a little gift for Christmas, a little bug? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, right, that's awesome. So what I thought I'd do, normally we have a, a mortgage moment, but in this uh, segment, we're actually going to kind of put it all together and kind of have some crosstalk on um, if 2023 is the year that you're looking to buy your first home. If so, nobody does it lightly. There usually needs to be some preparation and some thought put into it. And here at the Eastside Real Estate Team, we help first-time home buyers all the time. It's one of the favorite things that we like to do because I got to say, uh, and you can agree, Tucker, that uh, the first time buying a home is probably one of the most, um, I guess it could be scary and um, highly um, overwhelming. I'm trying to think of some other words. Uh, just kind of a lot of people just aren't able to take that first step because they're just so overwhelmed by the process. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, completely. Yeah, it seems un, you know daunting for people to, to even start the process at times. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the things that you could do that if 2023 is going to be the year for you to buy your first home, how to prepare yourself financially. So the first thing that you want to do is not answer the phone. Sorry about that. But we are live. So we're going to decline that call. <clears throat> but the first thing you want to do is um, build your credit. And uh, one of the things that I've done with my kids at this point, they are in college, is I've asked each one of them to get a student visa, one that has a you know very low balance, maybe five hundred dollars, um, in order for them. Because I have to say, those are probably the easiest ones to get. You, anybody can go out as a student and say, "Hey, I'm getting a visa," and they throw them at you. So be careful, number one, with that. <laughs> um, but building your credit needs to happen, and. Um, what, and that's a good time to make it work where you can go out, spend a little bit, get reimbursed from your parents or from a job if you're, um, you know, if, if that's how you do it and then pay it off and continue and rinse and repeat. And it won't take long. Do you happen to know how long it takes to, to create a credit score if you don't have one? Yeah, we, we typically think three to six billing cycles. Mm -hmm. So not necessarily months, but, you know, after six billing cycles, that should be enough time for that creditor to have reported back to the bureaus. Yeah. And I want I, I mean, I know a lot of people that are very financially disciplined and are like, we don't want to use credit. Um, we're not. We're just going to, you know, when we want to buy something, we're going to go buy it. And then if we don't have the money, we're not going to buy it. The problem is then when you go to buy a house, you're stuck. Right. Because if you have no credit score. You guys aren't lending them money, correct? Correct. There are some innovative products now where we can help people get into homes without a credit score, uh, but it's more challenging. 
Um, so that, and that's really new right on the, you know, cutting edge of technology, you know, the ability to create cash flow analysis for somebody that doesn't have a score, but the best opportunity to buy a home is of course, once they have a score that populates. Yeah. So from that standpoint in those innovative products, it's going to cost them more, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, certainly love that you guys have that resourcefulness to do that. Um, once you began establishing credit or God forbid you run into some issues where you had, um, maybe some poor credit, um, how does somebody track their credit? What's a, what's a good service for doing that? Yeah. So there, there's a lot of them out there. We typically recommend going to their bank or credit union first to see what they offer. Most of them have online banking and they have tools built into the services that you're being offered. So always start there because they have your banking information and they're seeing the, that activity. So it's a great first place to start. Um, after that, there's Credit Karma, uh, Mint, you know, some of those out there that people can sign up for um, that will provide them a look into their credit profile and allow them to monitor what their score is doing on a month to month basis. Yeah, I use Mint and it's really easy. You just basically hop on there and it alerts you too if there's adjustments in it. Um, some of the tips and tricks, what are a few things just quickly that you could uh, share with um, any of our folks watching us today that they can do to really up that credit score? Yep. So um, be mindful of your limits. You know, the, the key is you want to be at or under 30% of your trade limit. So that's a real easy one. Just take a look at how much the bank's willing to offer you in terms of a credit limit and stay under 30%. The second most important thing, Dan, is pay on time. You know, even if it's the minimum payment, that's still better than paying nothing at all. So making sure that you, you make a payment. And if you are in a situation where you're maybe not able to make a payment, contact that creditor and most of them will work with you and you know allow you to maybe slide on the date a day or two without right away dinging you as late uh, so it's just be really proactive with it and work with your creditors if you ever get into a situation where you might not be able to make a payment so paying on time and then the other thing i heard you say is be aware of the, the limits right correct um, typically if you run a credit limit below 30% is kind of the sweet spot, right? So if you yep. have a $1,000 line of credit, keeping it under $300 is where um, it's going to reflect a higher credit score than if you're sitting there with $600 on there. Exactly. Yep. And we, we actually would rather see that, you know, one to 30% range versus 0%. Right. Believe it or not, because the creditors want to see routine responsible use of the credit not using it doesn't show us anything. So we always say, and, and like you mentioned, you know, that, that secured student card, maybe use it for fuel or something that's more of a fixed expense that you can, you know, and it's predictable and then mm -hmm. pay it off or, you know, or as much as you can each month um, versus, you know, just willy nilly using it for anything and everything. Yeah. Awesome. That's great advice. Um, another tip for getting ready to buy your house for the first time is to automate the savings fund for your house. Um, I know for myself, I do this. I did this for my first home is about a year out. Um, I decided to say, OK, I want to buy a house. What do I need to do? Yep. And I knew I was <laughs> I was paying two hundred and thirty seven dollars a month for uh, uh, four guys living in this house in, in Seattle. So our rent was super cheap. Right. Um, and I basically knew that my mortgage was going to probably cost me about two thousand at that time. So I just started. Um, you know, paying $1,750 into my savings account every month. Like I was do like, hey, I have to 
you know, I have to do this mortgage. I have to do these things. And I'm just going to kind of roll them in there. And, you know, after, after, you know, six months, I started to accumulate a portion of that down payment. So I could really kind of see, and I was learning to budget to live on the rest. Right. Yeah. That, that's fantastic. A, a great book is the automatic millionaire. Um, it, it's in its second iteration. Um, but it's all about automating that. So one is like you said, it gets you comfortable with living off of the remainder. So can you live off of the remainder? Are you able to continue your savings and your retirement planning and all of those other things that are still important, um, before you, you, you make the commitment. So that way you've had a trial run to know. And then, like you said, it's, it's building up. So cash is king. The more money you have to be able to throw a down payment and closing costs, things like that is going to help you win an offer or buy the home that you're looking for. So I, I love that idea of doing it ahead of time. Yeah. And I, I mean, I do this still to my, to this day, I'll round up whatever my mortgage is, I'll round it up to the next 500 and yep. just put that as an extra principal payment down. And uh, it, it puts you in a better situation to, to lower the cost. So the, the last thing that, that is obvious that has to happen before you buy your first home is getting pre-approved. How soon or how early should somebody reach out to somebody like yourself as a first time home buyer? They're on a savings plan. They've got their credit they're working on. How soon should they reach out to you, Tucker? Yeah, I always say within 120 days of closing on the home. So if you want to move anytime in the next four months, it, it makes sense to start the process now for, for a couple of reasons. One is it gives us an opportunity to maybe catch something. Maybe we need to clean something up. We need to do a credit rescore to get you to a better interest rate, or maybe we don't quite have the savings we need for the down payment that is necessary for the home you want to buy. Giving us a few months gives us multiple paychecks to make some changes and get there ahead of time versus waiting too close to the, the deadline and now we're scrambling. So that that's a major one. But I would say in that three to four month time period really is when it makes sense. So that way you can then take your time searching for the right home and, and make it smooth. Um, the other thing to be mindful of, I would say their lease, you know, when does that expire? What does it take to terminate that lease if we break early? Things like that. So at least we know what those parameters are. And I always often tell people we don't need to wait until your lease expires. We're in a market right now where we might be able to get some help from the sellers. Maybe we roll that in. And so if it's four thousand dollars to break the lease, we ask for a credit from the sellers for four thousand dollars for them to pay for that. You know, so it just yeah. gives you more flexibility the earlier you start that process. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great advice. And I really, I mean, honestly, if somebody was planning to do something this spring, it is January. Some of the best deals are going to be in January. Um, uh, but if you're planning right now to make it happen, uh, the one thing you don't want to do is not be in a situation to make the move. So even yeah. if it, if you talk to Tucker and it's like, look, you're going to have to save some more money, uh, then at least you know what your target is, right? So you can kind of focus on uh, on how to get to that. And then, um, you know, you may accelerate the target. We do have stuff where there's down payment assistance um, that allows you, sellers are offering a lot of creative concessions in order to help people uh, get their houses sold. Because quite frankly, there are people that have to sell a house um, and, yeah. um, and a buyer should take advantage of it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Lastly, it looks like there were some uh, major changes that Freddie uh, and Fannie made uh, for first time home buyers. What's that? Yeah. So this is this is super exciting. Basically, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have recognized we have inventory shortages and we're trying to help people get from renting to buying. 
And so what they've done is if somebody is at or under in our market, 120% of the area median income, they're going to remove the loan level adjusters that impact that person's interest rate. So when, when we price out a loan, we typically look at things like credit score and down payment percentage to charge appropriately based on their likelihood of default. So uh, somebody that owns a home, if their credit score is in the 600s, they're typically going to get a higher interest rate than somebody at 800 because they are perceived as a higher risk for default. Sure. What Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are going to do is they're going to say, we're going to get rid of those adjusters and charge that first time home buyer the base rate only, regardless of a low credit score, regardless of a low down payment to help them into home ownership at a lower rate to keep that payment down. This is a massive move by those organizations to really give the advantage to the first time home buyer compared to the move up buyer that may have not used their credit responsibly. So this is, is awesome. I priced a loan out yesterday and it was a 675 credit score with 3% down at a six and a half percent interest rate. I would typically have to charge that individual three and a half points. Those three and a half points are completely removed for first time home buyers. First time home buyer at or under 120% of the area median income, which is most of our first time home buyers. Wow. That's great. That, so that was just released recently. Yeah. It came out in December. I think December 8th was the first date that they announced it, but it's in play now with all lenders that sell their loans to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So essentially what that does is it cuts the cost of the loan for yep. specifically for first time home buyers. Yep, exactly. It allows us to offer them a lower rate, stretching their qualifications further. Yeah, so they can they use more of the seller credit down. towards a rate buy down. Yeah, there's exactly. a lot of a lot of things. Uh, and you said that that was like a three percentage point swing. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty it's good. Fast. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, listen, uh, Tucker, I appreciate our conversations. This, uh, you know, this is our last podcast of 2022, and Tucker, you've been uh, regular. Uh, for us. So we appreciate you coming on. Um, I think it's a great time for people to think about firsts, you know, and setting some goals and some systems. I'm a big fan of systems in place uh, so that, um, you know, you can, you know, achieve something that uh, most folks will say when they look back and they finally walked out of renting and into home ownership, change their lives. It's true because quite honestly, uh, there are just so many benefits to having a, a home that that you can tear down a wall. Like I can I can put up this Christmas tree. I can hang up all that stuff above the fireplace, all because I own this home. And technically, that's a background, so I don't really own that one. But anyways, um, I want to wish you a, a happy New Year, happy 2023. I'm sure we'll have you back. Thank you so much for coming Absolutely. on. Thank you, Dan. Well, that concludes our final podcast of 2022. I just want to uh, thank all of our past clients our future clients, our past guests and future guests. We just so appreciate you uh, helping to kind of share what it means to uh, live, work, and um, provide services to the folks that live on the east side. Have a happy 2023. We'll see you. This is episode number 99. So in 2023, we're going to kick off with our 100th episode. Thanks for watching.